Won't it be wonderful there? And that song we just sang lifts our spirits and encourages our soul to keep in mind that we look for a place, a heavenly city far better than the climbs of this place. May I echo some of the sentiments earlier expressed that how blessed it is that we each have been given the opportunity and, yea, the privilege of assembling together on this beautiful Lord's Day morning. Certainly, I think it'd be entirely remiss not to wish each of the mothers a happy Mother's Day today. This is the 14th day of May, that day set aside this year as Mother's Day, and we wish for each of you a very pleasant and joyous day. And in many ways, the lesson today will remind us somewhat about a biblical mother, and you can see on the wall behind me, the title takes us to who that lady, in fact, is. Would you please be turning back to Exodus, the second chapter, and for the next few moments, we'll be reflecting on some of the elements found in that rather interesting and well-known record of the, of the ancient Old Testament. This introductory slide, which is the next one, is basically an introduction in which the following ideas I would invite you to consider with me. You know, the word mother is a rather sweet word, it seems to me. And not only that, I think each of us are mindful of one of the first words a little baby learns to speak, typically is mom or ma or something like that. And yet, when you and I think about the number of biblical women who played the role of a mother, aren't we impressed that we could stroll along the characteristics of biblical history and speak about mothers such as Eve and Mary and Sarah and Hannah, and the list just goes on and on. And quite often, the consideration connected to them reminds us about the features of the blessedness connected to motherhood and some of those lessons you and I shall encounter even today. Why don't we think for just a moment then about the matter of Jochebed. As you close that slide with me, isn't it fair to say that we learn about the mother of Moses and she will be the person occupying our study for at least the next few moments this morning. If I were to ask a question, what do you know about Jochebed? What biblical facts come to your mind? What things do you know about her, her life, her role as a mother? What things could you and I note that might be of great advantage to us? May I point out a few statements, first of all, about the nature of her family. What is it that led her to place the role that she was and she could fulfill that role in such a dramatically useful way according to the provision of God? Maybe it begins like this. She was a member of the tribe of Levi. We learned that in Numbers 26, verse 59. At that place, we learned somewhat about her father. Now, I know each of us are well aware of the various sons of Jacob. We could, in fact, name many of them, and we will do that briefly, but as we consider them in order, there was Reuben, Simeon, and the third one was Levi. Pause at that point and note this with me. Levi had four children of which we're aware. At this point, three boys and one girl, and the girl was Jochebed. Now, you might keep in mind that we have a great deal of emphasis presented to us in the books of Leviticus and Numbers about her brothers, and I've in fact listed somewhat of them for you on the slide. There was Gershon and Kohath and Merari. And they were given charge and commission by God to care for the tabernacle, to care for the particular features connected to it. But may we never forget, those boys had a sister whose name was Jochebed. 
And so that lady we encounter, at this point, wouldn't you be quick to say that those three boys, they each played a magnificent role in the faithfulness connected to the tabernacle. And maybe you and I would be in a position to overlook her. But she became the mother of Moses and of Aaron and of Miriam. And in so doing, she had her fingerprints in many ways all over the faithfulness that was connected to Israel for generations. Oh, what a blessedness mothers can be. With a life directed to the Lord, with a life directed to the faithfulness vouchsafed in the Word of God, that woman can impact her children in unfathomable ways. Why don't you and I then, as you close that slide with me, come to ask this, who did Jochebed marry? Who did she select or who was selected as the man whom she would marry? I've already shared it with you on the slide. But you remember Amram. He too was a Levite. Now, may you take note with me that he was the son of Kohath. So really, he was the nephew of Jochebed. Here's one of those biblical incidents in which we find a woman and the man she married were reasonably close kin at that time. Now, in our day today, that wouldn't be permitted. That law changed under the banner of Leviticus 17. But at this point, isn't it fair to say that here's an instance in which a man married his aunt. Amram married his aunt Jochebed. As you develop that with me, could we now not note again, to that union were born three children. The oldest was a girl named Miriam. The second was a boy named Aaron. The third was another boy named Moses. Of those three, you and I are well acquainted with their appearance on the biblical stage and what a dramatic place they all held. No doubt we're most familiar with Moses and with Aaron. We do learn in Exodus 7 verse 7 that Aaron was three years older than Moses. But as the development is presented, let's turn the slide and let's develop the following set of ideas connected like this. I've entitled this one, Jochebed, the Woman of Faith. I know it was read earlier in our hearing, but allow me to invite you to turn to Exodus 2, and let's again reread the characteristics of what Jochebed did. The text begins, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. We've already highlighted both of these. Both Amram and Jochebed were of the tribe of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. There's an emphasis that's provided to us in light of the mother of this child. And that mother, you and I now know her name to be Jochebed. On that slide, you may appreciate Somewhat about the scene that's now before us. I've begun that slide like this. That word Jochebed. Don't you find it interesting to note even what that name suggests? Jehovah is glory. Her parents named her in a way with a name connected to the God of heaven. Doesn't it indicate the kind of godliness that was known in her family? From her dad as well as her own mother. Surely there's an insistence in that that we each be very thankful for a godly mother, for a godly wife, 
a woman who will motivate, influence, and encourage us and all the features of our family in the way that is holiness and in a way that is of God. Here, notice, you and I have just read up through verse number 2. She can see, now this wasn't her first child. We've already learned Miriam and, and, and Aaron were both older than Moses. But now it says she bare a son, and she saw that he was a goodly child. That word carries a thought of beautiful, a child that was wholesome and good. And she recognized in this little innocent baby an essence of goodness and at this point, it says she hid him three months. Why did she hide him? Now, many mothers like to show their children for good reason. They're beautiful, they're innocent, they're precious. If you'd like to reread with me verse 22 of chapter 1 of Exodus, we learn the reason why the baby was hidden. It says, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. By this time, there had arisen a king in Egypt, and this king was not favorable to the children of Israel. This king was such that they were happy to have the Israelite girls survive. But every Israelite baby boy, the Pharaoh gave governmental order, cast that baby into the river. We don't want any more Israelite men. This nation is too strong already kill all the baby boys. Now you and I begin to see why Jochebed and her husband hid this baby for three months. Look at what follows. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put it and put the child therein and she laid it by the flags by the river's brink. At this point, as you notice on the slide, this governmental order was no doubt strong. You can well imagine how that the Egyptian Pharaoh had those who were his watch people and every Israelite baby boy, if it was not killed, they would confiscate it and take care of that death themselves. We can understand why she would hide this baby. She loved this baby as any mother would. And so it was that verse number 3 says there came a time she couldn't hide the baby any longer. Here's what she did. She took measures. She took means whereby she could continue with hope to preserve the life of the baby. The text says she took for him an ark of bulrushes woven together with what she had accessible to her. And it goes on to say she daubed it with slime and pitch making it waterproof. You no doubt can begin to imagine the tears that surely would have streamed down her face as she laid that ark into the river. Will I ever see the baby again? What will happen to him? Will he be okay? Who might find him? Now, we do learn later on that she had stationed Miriam a short distance away to watch what might transpire with regard to this little baby. Let's continue reading in verse number 4. And his mother, I'm sorry, his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And now verse number 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid 
to fetch it. We now suddenly learn what the next element in the record is going to be. Of all people, the daughter of the Pharaoh, the most powerful ruling person in Egypt, and yea, in many arguments perhaps in the world, his daughter came to bathe in the river. You can imagine this babe as Moses cried. He would be given that name later. But you'll notice that the maidens in verse number 5, she sent to fetch that ark. She learned of its presence, and she sent the maidens to fetch that ark. The next verse goes on to read like this. Interestingly enough, we notice, and when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Now, there was an interesting distinction between the Israelite nation living in Goshen and the Egyptian peoples who occupied the larger portion of the country. And the Pharaoh's daughter recognized this babe is not Egyptian. This babe is Hebrew. And in that recognition, verse number 7, she gave this order. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? Remember, Miriam leaped into action as she recognized and witnessed that the, the ark had been found and the baby in it, her brother. As Miriam leaped into action, she came before Pharaoh's daughter and said, you know, I would love to be able to go and find a Hebrew woman to nurse this child for you. The wording is so significant, isn't it? Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? Remember, this babe was only three months old, still in need of the nourishment that a mother can provide still in need of that kind of care and directed attention that a mother is able to avail to, to that baby. And yet Miriam offered, shall I go and find a Hebrew woman to nurse the child? At this point, just ponder for a moment what the Pharaoh's daughter might have responded. She could have said, look, as the Pharaoh's daughter, I have monetary access to any number of Egyptian women. I believe we can take care of this. But she didn't say that. She said what the next verse sets before us, which was this. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Isn't it an amazing providential scene? When you and I reflect upon the fact that the Pharaoh's daughter gave permission to go and find a Hebrew woman to nurse the child, and Miriam, the baby's sister, went and found none other than Jochebed, the child's own mother. And the next verse says this, verse number 9, And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, So by now, again, she has been able to meet this woman that's going to be the nurse. Little did she know it was the child's own mother. Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And so you and I find the amazing scene in which Jochebed was paid to be the mother of her own child. And in that providential scene, oh, what a development took place, bringing about an influence upon the child. And the next verse reads it like this. And the child grew, 
And she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And as you close that slide with me, what a significance then you and I have seen. What an interesting, interesting development. Can't you and I see the providential handiwork of God in the events that developed here? That man that was going to ultimately at a burning bush be commissioned by God to lead this people out of Egypt. It all started with his life being preserved under the banner of the action and initiative of Jacobean, who finally was paid to nurse her own baby boy. The fascination connected to this suddenly reminds us, as you and I close that slide, about a few applications, observations that you and I might be able to make. As the scene like this developed, let's look at it like this. First of all, as we strive to make application to our day today, could we not heap a great praise on a godly mother and a godly woman? For after all, look at the first point. Wouldn't it be fair to say that Jochebed herself enjoyed a godly heritage? She was the very daughter of Levi. She was the granddaughter of Jacob. And in so doing, we find in her a strong attachment by way of faithfulness to God. Couldn't you think of it this way? Here was a woman. She was born in Egypt. Numbers, Numbers 26, 59 tells us that. So she was born in the very place where she saw her own people under hard bondage to the Egyptians. She may have seen her own kinspeople beaten by Egyptians because they weren't tallying enough bricks. She may have seen her own people under great burdens connected to what the Egyptians demanded. And yet, we have not the slightest indication her faith in God ever waned. Her faith was concretely strong in light of the nature of the Word of God. You and I today can be thankful for a woman such as that, a mother such as that, who, despite the difficulties that she may face, we all have challenges in life, and women do too. Mothers do as well. We all know this and understand it well, and yet she never allows her faith in the Lord to slip. She never allows that faith to be set aside in, faith, in view of other choices that those around her might be making. I mentioned earlier about some of those other mothers in the Bible and the influence which they presented to us, such as Hannah and Eve and Mary and Sarah. But may I offer to you that Jochebed must take her place right alongside them because, again, you and I know what shall become of those boys that were her sons. Could I not invite you to notice, Aaron was the first high priest of the people of Israel, and that was her oldest boy. And Moses was that one recognized to be likened to a prophet that will ultimately be Jesus the Christ, as we read in Numbers 18. Isn't it fair to say, her imprint on the livelihood of these boys was fantastic indeed. Mothers, I suppose, as husbands and others who are male, I hope we don't fail to share with you how much appreciation we have for the kind of role that you lead in our families. God has given you and equipped you in ways He hadn't equipped most men. 
We don't have the same elements of consideration in our makeup that you do. You do so many things to make our children what they are, to make our families what they are, and to lead our households or assist in that leadership in ways that would bring great glory and honor to the God who described and made that possible. A godly heritage. Could I not remind each of us of Psalm 16, verse number 6? Where there we're reminded that many of us have been blessed with a godly heritage. She was, and she was true and faithful to that which the heritage set forth. What about us? Are you and I faithful? That's not just a question for the mothers among us, but what about all of us? Would you and I be in a position to exhibit the kind of faithfulness that Jochebed did? Would we be in position to lead that kind of lasting and holy appreciation? Look at point number two. Having mentioned it that way, why don't we give it more attention such as this? The whole idea of conviction. You and I see in Jochebed what can easily be noted that way. We have no statement otherwise to lead us to appreciate that her conviction in God and His direction to His people was absolute. Even in Egypt. By now, you might well appreciate that's also going to mean this. Even when the king gave order that baby boys were to be slaughtered, she chose to disobey the kingly direction. Her faith, you see, led her to recognize there was one higher than the king, and his law overrules the law of the king. And this baby boy's life, if at all possible, is to be preserved. And she took means, she took measures by which that could in fact be done. Conviction. Today, isn't it easy to make application along that same line? If and when our government, in some ways it's already begun, but if and when our government makes decrees that are opposed to the Word of God, will you and I stand firmly in violation of governmental decree? Jochebed did. Would we? Isn't that a good question? Isn't that something to contemplate? I trust that you and I would have a faith not unlike that which Jochebed had, that our conviction in God is supreme over any decrees that the human family may present. I think it's fascinating in light of her choices. She hid the baby, she and her husband it would seem, for some three months and could no longer successfully hide the baby. Even then, you might ponder other possibilities, and yet she chose the one of which we read. Take the time to construct a little ark. Make it waterproof and put this baby in that Nile River. Don't you know that she had to have conviction in light of what now will happen? Someone who can preserve the life of the baby will find it. And that's exactly what happened. May I say that kind of conviction is so noteworthy. And it's something I'd ask you to put near the bottom of that slide. Because this event, you and I find referenced in Hebrews chapter 11. In the New Testament, you and I know Hebrews 11 well. It's the honor roll of faith. One by one, we read about those who, in Old Testament and otherwise, they were those who exhibited a faith of which the Hebrew writer could say, this is faith. And throughout that chapter, we read about those such as Abel, 
and Abraham and Sarah, and we finally get to Moses. And even Moses' parents, and if I may borrow two of the words of that chapter, it says, they were not afraid of the king's commandment. That even adds a little bit to what we noted earlier. They weren't afraid. They were going to do that which was of the bidding of God, despite what the Pharaoh said. I truly hope that our conviction and our courage can be likened unto Jacobites. What about lesson number three? Isn't it true that this woman, Jochebed, then proceeded in a number of ways throughout the course of our study to have taken action? We all know again quite well that a mother is a busy person. There are so many things in the ongoing day-to-day activities of a family, and, a, and the mother just has so much to do. Now, certainly as husbands and fathers, there's plenty for us to do too. But isn't it fascinating to notice in the midst of that busyness, we find that there's certain work that is so very prized and so very special. We find it here in the preservation of Moses. Again, that baby that later would be named Moses. The essence of faith might well be seen this way. In James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, when you and I think about faith, the embodiment of it in connection to a family, always making sure that you take those children to services of the church. You don't just send them. You're there with them. Setting before them an evident and open example of what it means to be a person of conviction. Though I sometimes, though she sometimes, may not feel the best in the world due to the weight and the burdens of other things in life and either health matters. She places her service to the Lord supremely. And she wishes to embed that kind of appreciation into her children. As you think about action, ponder it with me this way from yet another vantage point. So she was paid to nurse the baby. Some number of years later, we don't know how long, but finally the time came when it was time to present that baby to the Pharaoh, and the baby became the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. At this point, we are given very little information about the remaining years until we suddenly now find the grown Moses ready to take his place in the biblical record. What about that intervening training that Jochebed had given him? You and I know he later will be reared up in the household of the Pharaoh and he's going to learn all about Egypt and all about the gods of Egypt and all about the commitment connected to the other matters in life in Egypt. But that's not what motivated him. He never forgot what Jochebed taught him. He never forgot the essence of what was implanted in his being from the time he was so young. And later, even when he grew up and became that which he was, the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, he still loved the people of the Hebrews. And he defended them, and he put his conviction in them, and he was handpicked by the God of heaven at a burning bush to lead his own people out of Egypt and lead them to a promised land. 
And you and I know he did it. But he had been hand-schooled, hand-educated at the feet of his mother, Jochebed. Oh, what an impression she left upon him. An impression even greater than the Egyptian gods. An impression even greater than all the finery and the royalty of the, of the Pharaoh's household. It was Jochebed and the faith in Israel and the faith and conviction in God. And that's a wonderful record, isn't it? As you close that slide with me, doesn't it lead us to notice that in her raising of this baby that would come to be known as Moses, we've already highlighted some of what came to be the case concerning those children. Moses is often regarded as one of the greatest of the lawgivers. Some would say he was the greatest prior to Christ. And yet he was the son of Jochebed. There are others who will quickly point out that Aaron was the preeminent high priest of the Old Testament Aaronic order. And yet he was the son of Jochebed. And so this woman, this lady, this mother, had such an impression upon Israel that God had selected her two boys to be the preeminent leaders of the children of Israel. When you and I look into the eyes of a baby, you and I may wonder, what will the baby become? What will he or she grow up to be? What kind of impression might this baby have? Will this baby be a great worker in the church? Will this baby be otherwise who will be a strong influence for faith and godliness? You and I aren't told what Jacobed may have thought when these children were young, but when we look at the after effects, can we not agree that her impression upon them was great? That's going to be true of a godly mother today. When that child from early age grows into the years that follow, teenage years and then adulthood, you and I notice words like train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. We notice other passages that remind us in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, bring up your children. Train up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you notice Jochebed sought to do this very thing. The success that connected to her would lead us to note that Moses is regarded as one of the meekest men to ever live. Numbers 12, verse 3. So much so that he desired, in fact, to know and to witness the God of heaven. Exodus 33. He was hand-selected to be on Mount Sinai when the very tablets written by the finger of God were handed to him. This baby became a dramatic person influencing Israel throughout the remainder of the Old Testament period. And isn't it amazing that on the Mount of Transfiguration, we see him appear with Jesus. Moses and Elijah appeared to have conversation with the Lord. As you and I close that particular slide, it leaves us to conclude our lesson like this. We've reflected somewhat on Jochebed, and I hope that we've done that in a way that has been a reminder of the providential blessing that she was to both Aaron, to Moses, and to Miriam, and the great work that she did as their mother. Today, today again, is Mother's Day, and I understand that 
a godly woman, a godly mother is a tremendous blessing indeed. Exodus 20 verse 12 reminds us to honor your father and your mother. And so today, as we would strive to present the honor that would be appropriate to them, we've tried to remind ourselves about the blessing of Jacobed and the lessons and applications that have gone with that very same thing. As we close this lesson today, offering the Lord's invitation like this, if you're not a member of the Lord's body, if you're not a faithful New Testament Christian, could we not make this statement, the finest mother will begin as a faithful Christian. One who is connected to God directly by membership in His body. That's how you could be the mother you would wish to be, the wife you would wish to be, the influencer of a family that you would wish to be. Today, if we could assist anybody in your response to the gospel's call of invitation, may we say this, if you never become a Christian, why not today? Believe in the Lord, repent of your sins, confess His name, and submit to being baptized for the remission of your sins. If you have known that way of life, but perhaps by choices you've allowed the burdens of the day to drive a wedge between you and what the Bible would want you to be, come back to your first love. The Lord still loves you, and you could still be a lasting impression in a monumental way upon the children in your life. To say it that way is to say, come back to the Lord. Make repentance of things, confession of them, and we'd be honored to pray unto God on your behalf. We could also simply pray for strength. If you're a person, perhaps a mother, facing challenges, perhaps extraordinary ones in life, and you would just like the prayers of this congregation of people, prayers for wisdom, prayers for insight, prayers for prudent thinking, prayers for right decisions, we'd be honored to, to satisfy that desire by praying for you. Today, if we could be of some help, may we allow Jochebed to encourage us. Brother Cale has chosen this song of encouragement. If anyone would wish to come at this time in response to this invitation, we implore and invite you to come while together we stand and while we sing.